0: Welcome to my daily report card, where every day is continuous tests with no subject. What's your answer? And was it meaningful? <laughs> Everyone, a part of my daily report card nation. Trust me when I tell you we're ultimately blessed. We have one of my idols, one of my sources of inspiration. They call me Smooth the Muse, but this is muse to muse right here. When I was trying to find my way, when we, before we started this, before the book came out, before everything, this is one of the first, this man wrote one of the first books that I wrote, read in years outside like a pleasure reading to get me to where I need to go. That book was How to Get Out of Your Own Way. This person, this doctor, this significant human being, Mark Golson. And I want to welcome him to the show, educated man from Boston, and here right now on my Daily Report card to see us to make our world a better place. And we thank him for him. So please let it up.
1: Hey, Ruben, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, w- one of the nice things about people saying nice things about you is it gives you something to live up to. That's a lot to live up to, man.
0: Well, hey, well hey, you already <laughs> done all the work. I'm just I'm just uh, giving you a repath, a little recession of it. You know, I'm just giving you uh, the highlights. This is ESPN.
1: Well, I was saying, who was he talking about? Wow. <laughs> wow. You sure you got the right guy? No. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Ruben. And I hope uh, uh, i'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw something at you but but you can keep your question so you don't get too nervous
0: all uh, right all right hey i i I got my my catchers mitt right now, so I'm ready to anything that you throw at me and I hope that you feel the same. This okay. man has going to be nine books coming out his ninth book coming out. This man is a grandfather this man is really. I can't even put into words how much this man is an inspiration, how much he means to people that he doesn't even know. And I want to give you your flowers right now, you know, because I'm so thankful. I'm so lucky. The listeners are so lucky to hear from somebody who's been there and who's done that and come to shine some of this brilliance on us. And I really appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm going to give you a lesson. I'm going to give your listeners a lesson because you just set me up, man. Okay. Um, uh, last year, I, uh, I spoke in Moscow with a Nobel Prize winner, a guy who wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman.
0: Oh, yeah, I started that book. It, it was
1: some, uh, you had to do some activities in there. Yeah, it was a little too thick for me. So <laughs> I, it's, e- it's easier when he was given a lecture. But right. I went there. I went there to in, in the title of my talk was change everything you know about communication, mm. and there was about a thousand Russian managers, uh, you know, leaders, uh, business type people, and and this was my whole focus. I said, "You're gonna, I'm here to change everything you know about communication, and I'm going to do that with you right now, Ruben, and, and 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 your listeners." What I said to them is right now you're listening to me and you're listening to me. And if I give you some bullet points and some information and they're okay, you'll try them. Most of them won't work. You'll say, ah, he's an expert. They'll work for him. They won't work for me. And if I'm entertaining, if I give you some stories, you'll give me, you'll give me your mind for an hour. And then I said, but if instead of focusing on you listening to me, I focus on what you're listening for Mm. And I get it right without you telling me and I deliver on it. You'll give me everything. Ooh. And then I said, here's what you're listening for. But I, and I got it right. I nailed it, but I'm going to give you a taste of it because you're listening to me, Reuben. but here's what you're listening for. And tell me what changes inside you. If I get it right. Okay. I think what you're listening for is you're listening for a guest who can give your listeners immediate, value Hmm. something they can use like today to make their life better to make them stronger and you're listening because your listeners trust you and you want to honor their trust you don't want to disappoint them Mm -hmm. and you may actually be listening for a so-called expert who's written a fancy book But then you have to say to the expert, I'm sorry, we can't post the episode. So you're also listening for people you got to protect your listeners from because they're just so boring and useless. Mm. And so, so am I right that you're listening for someone who can deliver right now something that someone who's listening can say, I'm going to use that today? Is that true what I just said?
0: Um, it says in your work title that you're a psychiatrist, but you might want to take some of those letters off the end and put psychic, because absolutely, you are on par, you're on target, you got the bullseye.
1: And, and could you? And what did I? And see, for your listeners, I want to get this to them because if every day, try in one conversation, if you pause. And just ask yourself, what is the other person listening for? Mm. And you might, you might be able to guess it. But even if you don't guess it, you can pause. Uh, and here, I'm going to give away a negotiation tip. So any of you gets, if any of you is trying to negotiate something and you're coming on strong and it feels like you lost the person, it feels like you drove them away and you get nervous in your stomach. And then you try and reel them back in. Uh, because, you know, this was an opportunity. And even though they're smiling, you know, they're not smiling to say, yes, they're smiling to be polite. We've all Mm -hmm. been there. Mm -hmm. So so here's a way to use what I just shared to change that. So if you've ever been in that situation, and this could be with another person, just even a friend or something or a partner, business partner. So they've already checked out, even though they're smiling at you because they want to be polite. So can you picture that, Ruben? You've been in yeah. one of those situations ever? Yeah, of course. So what you say, and see, they're smiling because they're not going to get up and leave right now because that would be rude, but you know, I've lost them. And so what you say to them is you could say, can we pause for a second? And they're going to get nervous because you, got, you caught them being checked out. Mm. And they're going to go, what? Yeah, can we pause for a second? So they're a little, a little shaky and you say, you know, uh, I just put myself in your shoes, and I think you're listening for something that we haven't covered. Wow! I think you're listening for something that's pretty darn important, maybe even urgent, and we haven't covered it. And uh, let's can you tell me what you were listening for? Because if we could cover it, you know, this might be this might work out good for you or well for you. Wow! But, and then when they, and they'll start to open up and then you could say, and then this is what you say. I'm so glad you told me that boy, do we miss that. I'm so glad you told me, can you tell me why that's why you're listening for that? Why that's so important to you or urgent? Then they're going to open up, They're going to open up more to you, Ruben. You, you following this?
0: Absolutely.
1: And, and, and then, and here's the, this, you got to get comfortable with. I can do it because I'm a psychiatrist. So, so after they, say what they're listening for, why it's important. What I would say is, I'm so glad we did this. So this is what you're listening for, why it's important. And then I might say to them, um, what's really going on? They say, what? Mm. Yeah, you know, what's really going on? And I've been doing some trainings with people who, who want to get investors in whatever they're doing. And so imagine you have something and you want someone to invest money in and And so you say, "What's really going on, and so that person is pulling back, and this is what you say. Uh, can I tell you what other people like you have answered when I ran these questions by them? you know, when they told me what they were listening for, why it was important, and what they were really listening for
2: mm-hmm.
1: And so that person's going to say, Yeah, okay, and then this is what you say to them if it's an investor or you, someone you want to give you money, isn't what you say to them? Uh, what you say to them is when I've spoken to people like you before, a couple of them look me in the eye and they say, "I what, what's really going on is I need a win. Mm. I need a win." And I would say, "What do you mean?" Well, you know, I've invested in things that didn't work out, and my boss is on me, so I need a win. I and mean, if, right. if I'm going to spend money, whew, and then what you do? This is how I function the world. I say. I'll tell you what, forget about what we're talking about. Let's not focus on a win. Let's focus on something that gets you a promotion. Let's focus on something that gets you a raise. What's that gonna look like? And then what happens, and this is how I function in the world room, and I say, forget about, forget about anything we just talked about. What will get you a promotion or a raise? And then they tell you what it is. And something that I'm I've become almost a legend for i've said to some of these people boy i'm glad you told me that because you shouldn't buy what i'm selling and you shouldn't hire me and Mm. you go what i say yeah because from what you told me you need to be really successful there are three other things you better take care of before you even look at someone like me or what i have and I know three good people that I can refer you that do a, a bang up job. Or you, if you have it internally, take care of that before you hire me. And then I remember one person looked at me and said, wait, let me get this straight. You just drove for a couple hours. This is before COVID. Mm-hmm. And you just talked me out of buying something from you. Mm. You talked me out of hiring you. What's this about? And what I said to this guy is I said, and I smiled and I said, because I just sold you in something much bigger. He said, what? I said, because I'm dedicated to your success, Mm. not mine. I just sold you on trust. You trust me. That means you'll take my call when I call you back. Oh. Oh, wow. And so what I do in the world, but again, I'm older, but but I think you have a much better life and it takes the imposter syndrome, all this stuff off is when you can be totally dedicated to the other person's success over your own, you're going to, what happens is I run into people who when you do that and you don't hit on them, there are some people that have to return the favor. Yes. They, they can't stand the generosity. Mm-hmm. Now there are some people who are takers and I, you know, and I can forgive them because they're trying to survive. But what happens, it takes all the pressure off me in fact, sometimes I go into a conversation with, you know, you know some, I know, some service or some product and uh, my whole intention is to not even talk about what I'm selling.
2: Right.
1: My whole purpose is to get them to open up and be really clear about what will help them be successful. And then I do everything I can to make it happen. True gems.
0: And this is just the intro, people. I am already learning from you, sir, and I know everyone else is, and it kind of goes into the fact of eyeball selling, and we have to be more present within ourselves to look beyond our own entitlements and ourselves and what we're selling to see what the other person wants. We've got to look outside of ourselves and really take away that these Americanized generation, all about me, 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 and really think about the next person. And that's how we get ourselves ahead by looking out for the other person. And so I 120% agree with what you're
1: saying. Yeah. In fact, I'll I'll share something. This, this, you you know, this will, this will work with this will work with your personal partner, you know, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. And it's, uh, and here's a tip that will turn around most arguments in 30 seconds. Mm. Listen up. And I did this with my wife. So people remember stories. So this is, I've been married 40, I don't know, it's beyond my pay grade, but it's a long time. There you go. And I remember, I don't know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, maybe last week, I don't know. But, um, you know, we were getting into one of those little, you know, tiffs where she'd Mm -hmm. say something and I'd say something. And so here's the tip. If you can pause when you're in an argument with someone, especially if you care about them, all you have to be is curious about what it's like for them. Just being curious about what it's like for them. This, this conversation Mm. will, uh, as I mentioned, I, I had breakfast with Larry King for two years every, every uh, morning. I was part of a little breakfast club. Mm. And, what, and he was a very curious interviewer. I mean, he was curious. And, he, and there was a quote that, he, that I got from him. I actually posted on Twitter. And he said, you can't be curious and furious at the same time. Wow. Pretty wow. amazing. So what I said to my wife, and you can do this. So instead of my reloading, you know, when she said something and I said something, I, I, I paused and I said, I wonder what it's like for her right now. Mm. And then I thought, I don't think she likes this any more than I do. So I paused instead of, you know, reloading. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you don't like where this is going any more than I do, do you? She said, no, I can't stand this. I said, yeah, I, I don't like it either. Yeah. Um, and then I said you have any idea how we can keep it from going there? And she looked at me and smiled and she said, no, but you're doing good.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's coming from a wife of a psychiatrist. So she, she's pretty much seen everything. I bet all your little t- tricks and tips.
1: Yeah. But can you see how just being curious where the other person's coming from? Can I just, love that
0: line from the great Larry King. Can't be
1: curious and furious. I love that. Yeah. I think it's true. I think it's true. So you had some questions. I took you, you know, I took you out to left field. You can reel us in. What else is on your mind, Ruben?
0: I love it. Uh, This might have been the longest intro we ever had, but let's start it. First song in my head. How we started off is we we started off light and we go serious. First song in my head. I was feeling some '90s R&B because I was a little down today. I felt in a serious mood. So, um, "Brandy" sitting up in my room, and I'm so into you by SWV. Really kind of I needed something light, something where it's not degrading to any person or people, but just really a good bounce. And that's, what, um, that's how I kind of first started in my head. How
1: about you? What was the first song in your head today? Um, well, another thing about my background is, you know, I was a suicide specialist for many years, and none of mm-hmm. my patients killed themselves. And I co-created – Isn't that what your
0: next book is about?
1: No, no. I, I, th- I think my book on listening uh, will help. Um, I, I do have a book called Why Cope When You Can Heal. Right. Which is, uh, and the subtitle is How Healthcare Heroes of COVID-19 Can Recover from PTSD. Mm. And w- w- while we're on the topic, because I was trying to figure out why didn't people kill themselves for 25 years? W- what did I do? And i uh, I've given the approach... A label, and I hope one day to do a TED talk on it—not a TEDx talk. I've done a TEDx talk, and but what I'm calling it is surgical empathy. Hmm. Surgical empathy, and it's not surgical like with a knife. It's surgical with with really focused love. Because something I learned about suicidal people uh, is. When you're in pain that won't go away, Mm -hmm. it just won't go away. Yeah, Death comforts that pain. Death says, I will take your pain away. Mm. So death feels your pain and takes it away. So surgical empathy is going in and helping people to feel felt by you so they feel less alone in hell. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is is if they're attaching to death to take away the pain, when they feel felt by you, mm-hmm. they attach to you. And, and I'll, I'll share a story that gives a lot of people kind of the chills, but I'll share it with you anyway. So, what do you uh, do? so early on, uh, I've been blessed. I've had eight mentors. Unfortunately, they've all died. The last one was Larry King. But one of my early mentors was the pioneer in the study of suicide prevention and so he kept referring me all these suicidal patients who needed to be discharged from the hospital but they were still suicidal but mm-hmm. they you know they weren't they weren't immediately suicidal but you know some of the doctors in the hospital didn't want to see them so he so Dr. Ed Schneidman would go up and see them and and then he'd call me on the phone put them on the phone and then I'd see them and so one of the people who sent me, uh, we'll, uh, we'll call her Nancy. She'd made three or four attempts uh, in the previous three or four years. And in those days, you could stay in a hospital for weeks. You know, right. Now they get you in and out. Right. And I didn't think I was helping her. I mean, I was seeing her for about six months. Mm-hmm. That was the longest she'd gone without a suicide attempt or hospitalization. And once a month, I would go. Uh, moonlight meaning I'd cover for other doctors at a state hospital you know I do admissions and take care of emergencies and I hadn't slept for about 24 hours 30 hours and you know when you don't sleep you get a little wigged out so I come in on Monday Mm -hmm. and there's Nancy and Nancy never made eye contact and so I'm sitting in the room with her so picture this she's there and she's just kind of not looking at me And as I look out in the room, all the color left and the room turned to black and white. So I'm looking out at the room and it's black and white. Oh, wow. And then I get these cold chills through me. And I thought I'm having a stroke or a seizure. And I'm, you know, I'm a medical doctor, psychiatrist. Right. So I did a neurologic exam on myself and it wasn't rude because she wasn't looking at me and I'm tapping my elbows and I'm looking at my finger and fingers and stuff and And I said, you know, I don't think I had a stroke or seizure. And then I had this crazy idea that I was looking at the world, feeling her feelings. Mm. And so because I was sleep deprived, I blurted something out that normally I wouldn't have. And so she's not looking at me. And this is what I blurted out, Ruben. I said, Nancy, I didn't know it was so bad. And I can't help you kill yourself. But if you do, I will still think well of you. Wow. I will miss you. And maybe I'll understand why you had to, to get out of all the pain. Mm. And then I thought, I just blew it. I just gave her permission to kill herself. And then she looked at me. First time she looked at me and she looked at me. She looked into my eyes like I'm looking straight into yours. And I said, what are you thinking, Nancy? I thought she was going to say thank you i'm overdue because she'd made several attempts i said Mm -hmm. what are you thinking and she looked at me and she said if you can really understand why i might have to kill myself to get out of the pain maybe i won't need to and then she smiled and then the color came back the room came back and i kept looking in her eyes and i said nancy i'll tell you what we're going to do i'm not going to give throw treatments at you unless you ask me for them because you've been on everything and if i Mm -hmm. throw something on you to do and you decide to not do it. You'll have to come back and you'll feel guilty. And, and so would it be okay if I don't throw any treatment at you unless you ask for it? And she looked at me because this is the first time we made eye contact. And she looked at me with a look that said, keep talking. Mm-hmm. And then I kept looking in her eyes because I didn't want to let go of her eyes. This is the first time I had eye contact with her. Right. And I said, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to find you wherever you are. And i'm going to keep you company as long as it takes because i don't want you to be alone there at 2 30 in the morning would that be okay and she started to cry and she started to get better so that's surgical. that's surgical empathy
0: wow and i've read that you made that it's, it's on your wikipedia page that you made that technique and that's something that you worked on with uh, the teenagers and young adults and even through the military and you know so thankful well, ta- well, for it well I'll give
1: you I'll give you a tip if you're listening in because uh you know my mission in life is to you know suicide is epidemic it's way up there absolutely and um uh, and so here's here's a tip you can use uh, uh with someone you're worried about this could be your 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 boyfriend your girlfriend your kid they're out of work they're depressed they're locked in and uh, uh i'm part of a documentary with a fellow named jason reed uh, if you look up teen mental health webinar teen mental health webinar on youtube
2: mm-hmm.
1: he reached out to me uh about a year after his 14 year old son killed himself and um uh, and he thinks he blew it because uh, he's an entrepreneur. And he said, you know, and he has a video uh, that went up on something called Goldcast, has nine million views. But if you look at teen mental health webinar, you can see the video. And then there's 20 minutes of me giving tips to parents.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he said, and he speaks to about 12 male founders. And he said, hey, I think it's my fault because. I never told my kids that I'm scared. I'm the man. I never told them I have problems. I'm not supposed to have problems for them. But I made it impossible for them to tell me they were scared without my throwing a solution at them. Mm. And sometimes they didn't want a solution, but I threw solutions because I solved things. And so I made it impossible for them to really feel comforted by me and when my kid died, he left the suicide note with uh, his passcodes, and he'd been looking for ways to kill himself for three months. Oh. So here's a, here's a, so if, if I've freaked you out, I'm going to give you some tips. And this is what Jason told me. He said, you know, it's a funny thing about kids. And this is true probably of a boyfriend. or, uh, When you ask them and you say, uh, how are you doing? And they say, I'm great. They're usually good but when you ask them how they're doing, they say, I'm fine. They're not. Mm. When they say I'm fine, what they're saying is leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Right. And so when you get that, or if you get the response, like I'm fine, or I'm good, like leave me alone. You can say, I know you're good. I know you're fine. But uh, uh, I had a couple of questions at its, at, here, are the three questions at its absolute worst. How awful are you capable of feeling? Wow, and they're, and they're going to say what? Yeah, at its absolute worst, when it's really hard, how awful are you capable of feeling? And when they say, "Pretty awful," you want them to open up. This is surgical empathy. You know, pretty awful, very awful. Okay, very awful. And when you're feeling that, how alone are you capable of feeling with it? Ooh, pretty, pretty alone. If they say pretty alone say, pretty alone or all alone? Okay, Mm. all alone. And then what you say to them is, take me to the last time you felt it. And an interesting thing happens that therapists know uh, is that when you get someone to talk about something so clearly that you as the listener can see it, they re-feel it. But when they re-feel it, they're not alone. So when you ask your kid, take me to it, And they say, okay, you really want to know? It was 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, we heard you walking around in your room. Uh, What happened? Well, I couldn't get back to bed. And you keep them talking. Then what happened? Um, You really want to know? Yeah, I really want to know. Uh, Well, I didn't know whether to put my fist through the wall my head. Mm. Well, I see you didn't do either. What happened next? And they're going to start to cry. I just couldn't take it. I mean, I... Started looking around for some, you know, Benadryl or some of your old sleeping pills. Couldn't find them. And then what happened? I just kept pacing and pacing. And then what happened? Well, the sun rose. Mm. And if you're listening in and you're a parent of a teenager, or maybe a spouse, what you say to them is, I get a favor to ask you. And that teenager is going to say what? Uh. Whenever you feel that, do whatever it takes to get your mom or my attention or your dad or my attention because we, you know, we can be thinking about other things and there's nothing more important than you telling us when you're feeling alone right. with that. So that, you're following that? So I hope that's helpful to people listening in, but this is how you sometimes can help people open up that you're worried about.
0: It's so good because it's so complex so complex of a thing. And so you're starting out so little and you're just opening up just little by little. And just kidding. That's why I love the word surgical empathy, because you're literally opening up. Like as you're using a, a your scalpel just going in, starting. So and I love that. So I like to read every day and I know you're an author. Today I I used you as some inspiration. I went back to um the chapter of having unrealistic um expectations and um what stuck with me from that in your um get out of your own way is because uh because it's reasonable doesn't mean it's realistic and i feel like we we put our intentions in on other people sometimes and we want our reaction out of other people what do you think about that
1: yeah no i think that's uh that's very true and what that chapter was about is um reasonable is something that makes sense realistic is what's likely to happen so you Mm. might say you know today i'm gonna start dieting i'm gonna start exercising i'm gonna uh, you know uh, do some yoga i'm gonna quit smoking that's all reasonable but realistic is what's likely to happen. And so, uh, so you want to adjust your expectations to what's realistic. I'll tell you one of my philosophies because, uh, uh, you know, I, I come from a family where there's a little bit of depression and I can be depressed at times. Mm-hmm. But something, my approach to life is I have high hopes for everything. Okay. But I have zero expectations that anything will ever work out. Mm. one in four agreements yeah. uh,
0: so what do you say to those people who are following those Instagram memes and those motivational speakers who say don't go by the word realistic if you think realistic then you're selling yourself short what do you think about that
1: uh, well I'd have to disagree with it because uh I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about motivational speakers because, uh, mm. because they uh, they pump you up, right? But they pump you up to sell you product. Ooh. Okay. Now, granted, that product may help you, but very often, you know, I, I think research shows that when people buy books and products. 80% of people don't even reopen the book, <laughs> right? And part of that is because, you know, you get pumped up and you feel excited. And so you feel better. I'll, I'll share, I'll share something else that I did that, which was the opposite of this. So uh, I, there's a company where I'm a, uh, I am i am a mentor and I coach the CEO and, and it's had a rough time with COVID and, they have about uh, 250 people, and we did a Zoom call with 130. And they have offices in uh, Miami, Singapore, and London. Mm-hmm. And the CEO trusts me, uh, and and I said, I'm getting a vibe from your people because I think when you pump them up and they smile, all they have to do all they have to do is leave the call, get a bad email, and they're done, and and, and they and they bottom out, right? You know, because you're the pump. And, you know, and I, and I can see how the positivity is helpful, but I want to try something else. So picture this, you've been, I don't know if you've ever been on a zoom call with over a hundred people, you know, all the screens and all the people there and all. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little chat area In the chat area. People put usually a lot of garbage in the chat. Oh, here's a link. Here's a such and such. And then you're distracted. Should I be looking at the people? Should I look at the chat room? I don't know where to go. Yeah. And so what I said to them, I said, uh, I'm gonna try something different. So picture this because I think it's gonna, it won't blow you away, it could blow you away. I said, I'd like each of you to think of the worst moment you had in the last week and raise your hand when you can remember it. Mm -hmm. So picture this on a Zoom call. First of all, they're looking at me like I'm a little bit crazy, which I might be. Uh, But they, uh, they start raising their hands. So one by one, you see they're all raising their hands and they're remembering one of the worst moments. And I said, good. Okay, so we're all in sync sharing that we've had a bad moment. Mm -hmm. And then I said, in the chat area, I want you to write down one of these words that fit uh, that bad moment. And the words are uh, anxious, Mm. angry, depressed, afraid, alone, lonely, exhausted, overwhelmed, numb. And there were some other words. And I said, pick the word that goes along with how badly you felt. And so, again, there's a pause. And then you look in the chat room, and it starts to dribble in. Mm -hmm. It starts to flood the chat room. You know, Jack, angry. Ike, uh, exhausted. Nancy, lonely. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so picture this, they had their hands raised, and you look in the chat room, and you see the names and a single word. And then you look at the screen, and people are crying. they mm. are crying with relief. Right. And, I, you know, and, and, and so they're all bonding with each other. And then at the end of the exercise, I said, uh, how many of you felt better? Because of that? 80%. How many of you felt worse? Zero how many of you felt no change 20%? And then I said, how many of you felt feel like you're in a group of special people right now? 100%. Hmm. Now they weren't any more special than they were an hour before, but they shared a special moment and you saw your, your friends, you know, and instead of, and you, when you saw their name and they said the exhausted or numb, you felt, you, you felt this shared compassion, right? And it just changed the room. And then afterwards, the head of the company, uh, you know, said some people came up to him. And some people said, that was the best exercise we've ever done in our company. Wow. To help our culture. And he said, a couple people came up and said, that was the best exercise I've ever done. Wow. So do you see what I'm getting at when you can pull people together? And, and, and again, they're not dumping or whining. They're just sharing. Mm-hmm. And they all bonded. And when they bonded, they felt less alone in their own personal health.
0: That's a good segue. Um, speaking, of work, uh, speaking of workout, um, another question we always do, what, what was I physically active today? And as I told you from my first song, I was a little bit down today. And I just took a long walk. And um, it kind of just helped me get some free space in my head just to have my legs moving and to just kind of have some free space thinking. What do you think that physical activity does to somebody going through mental health issues or depression or anxiety? Well,
1: or I, well, I think I, I do the same thing. I, I, I don't exercise as much as I do, but uh, as I should. Mm-hmm. But when I start walking, and to be honest, I don't particularly like exercise, but right. I got I to tell you, at first I, you know, and I can say, I don't feel like walking. You know, I feel like, you know, just staying stuck. But after 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. I'm saying this isn't so bad. Then after about 15 or 20 minutes, my mind's really creative and, and I like thinking about kind of the world's problems. Right. And then, and, uh, And I'll tell you an activity that I've done, that if you're listening in, this activity, I think, saved my life.
2: Okay.
1: So something that, uh, so I I guess I've accomplished a a few things in life. Uh, But, and people would say, well, the suicide thing is pretty cool. Uh, Well, I think my biggest accomplishment is I dropped out of medical school twice and finished. Hmm. And I dropped out because I had untreated depression. And the second time I dropped out, they wanted to kick me out because they were losing matching funds. And I think I was at a low point. And the head of the school uh, who actually wanted me out because they were losing money, sent me over to the Dean of students who doesn't care about money. He cares about students. Right. And I met with that Dean of students. That was my first mentor. I didn't even know what a mentor was. Right. And, uh, and he, I think he saved my life because he, uh, when he told me that they were thinking they wanted to kick me out, they wanted me to, they wanted me to withdraw, he looked at me and he said, uh, so imagine this, you're at a low point and you don't think you're worth much. And he said, you know, Mark, you, you didn't screw up because you're passing, but you are screwed up. Mm-hmm. If you, but if you get unscrewed up, I think this school would be glad um, that they gave you a second chance. So he was going to go up against the whole school. And and I came from, you know, kind of a critical background. And and I couldn't believe what he was saying. And so he said to me, Ruben, he said, and I'll tell you this, even if you don't get unscrewed up, even if you don't become a doctor, I'd be proud to know you. Mm. Because you have a streak of goodness in you that we don't grade in medical school. And you have no idea how much the world needs that goodness. And you won't know it till you're 35, but you have to make it till you're 35. You deserve to be on this planet and you're going to let me help you. Wow. So what happened is I think I bottomed out. And I think if he had said, uh, uh, you know, call me if you need any help. I think I would have gone back to my apartment and I don't think I'd be here today. Mm. What happened is I bottomed out and he saw something good in me that i didn't he saw a future in me for me that i didn't and so that changed everything and i think that's also what he did surgical empathy and i think i just paid it forward for 35 years right and, uh, uh, and so but what happened is when i so getting back to the journal what happened is when i finally finished uh, uh, it took me six years i took out you know you know i was a doctor i wasn't a writer and I took out a crappy little journal mm-hmm. and I wrote down the day I graduated, I can't believe I made it through. They've released the crazy person. <sighs> and now I'm up to volume 252, 45,000 pages, nine books, 1200 articles. And, and, and here's something I walk around with. That's a picture of the dean of students. Mm. And so when I get tweaked, and you can do this if you're listening in, get yourself a journal, put a picture of someone who loves you or or a hero, put a picture of LeBron James in it. And when you get tweaked, so when you got tweaked today, Ruben, you were feeling down. If you can imagine someone who cares about you, and if I was you, I'd pick your little kid looking up to you and saying, dad, you're going to be okay. And then, and then, what I imagined uh, in my journal that I just showed you is that person saying to me, "What just happened?" And I have a conversation. Uh, and and then I, and then I imagine uh, him saying, "What'd you think when it happened?" Oh, I can be such an idiot. I mean, you know, am I ever going to learn? What'd you feel? Oh, sometimes I just feel so embarrassed. What did it make you want to do? I just maybe want to fold up and quit. Take it. So imagine your daughter or your son. Son.
0: I got two sons. Imagine
1: your son looking up to you. Mm -hmm. Imagine your son looking up to you. You know, we're just loving his eyes. You you can't do anything to take the hero away from your son. And he's looking up. Well, dad, you know, uh, take a deep breath. You take a deep breath. And then what I imagine my, uh, that dean of students, to me, what would be a better thing to do? And I can tell you, in my mind, what's better is remembering how he helped me and went out on a limb for me. He stood up to the whole school for me. And and the better thing to do is, for you and your son, is to remember that your son looking up to you, just thinking that you're, you're much better than you think you are, Ruben, and your son knows it. And just yeah. hold on to that.
0: Man, and your story is so parallel to mine because I'm currently in the school of dentistry on my last year. And I also got a book from uh, a mentor, one of the first mentors, same same kind of scenario. They wanted to, I was in probation. They wanted to kick me out. And then that's kind of like the prequel to this um, podcast, which was, I would call myself in full consciousness when I worked out, I read and I meditated and then whatever I put in my head, I spewed it out in writing and then I just did it until I made it a habit. And then that was my first book, Book of Smooth. Um, and so I'm, you just gave me that confidence to keep going. I've stopped writing that book, but I got to pick that back up. So, and just going on to that part of full consciousness, um, I meditated today and what I got from it was just to know who I am, to be confident and to know that sometimes you have bad moments, but it's not a bad life. And what do you think about meditation and how do you think that can help people? And what are some tricks and uh, tips well, for the like
1: beginning? I think meditation, yoga, mindfulness is great, but I, I have failed at all of them. <laughs> and I'll tell you the reason. For a long time, I used to think I was weaker than other men because mm. at my core, I am not an I, I am a we. Okay. And, you know, and so I'm not someone I'm going to go take the mountain and whatever. I am a we, and so I, I look for like, like-spirited-minded people, and together, let's go fix the world. And at my age, I'm actually doing that. All right. I'll share something. I can't say much about it, but I am so excited about it. It's making me a little crazy. I'm partnering with the top psychiatrist in all of India. Okay. And he's like the Sanjay Gupta of psychiatry in India. And what we've developed is a program that destigmatizes mental illness. Mm. Because one of the main obstacles. Mental illness is the stigma, right? You know, when you say to someone, Maybe you should talk to someone, they immediately say, What do you think? I'm crazy, I'm fine, right? And so, the stigma it causes people like dental students, medical students, healthcare workers, uh, military, uh, law enforcement, first responders, they refuse to get help when they're having some mental issues because of the stigma, the shame. Uh, i 'll be weak i 'll lose my job so together uh, and we'll roll it out and probably in the next six months but it 's a way to eliminate the stigma so that if you 're hurting mentally instead of someone telling you to get help, you think maybe I should go talk to someone without someone telling you to do it right so we 're so excited because because stigma is Maybe the top reason people do not seek out help and then they just quietly pull away until they can't take it anymore and then they off themselves.
0: I can believe that. And it's like I thought about this today when it comes to talking to somebody, it's like you have a physician to check out your medical and body needs, you have a dentist to check out your oral needs, you have a podiatrist, you have all these specialists, but that person you talk to is where you go to get your mental health checked out. Like everything has a specific purpose. And I don't, and I'm of that same mind frame now in my life today is that it's not a bad thing. It's just, you're getting that full check, that full checkup that you need. It doesn't end at your physical and your your dental checkup and all that stuff. It, it goes deeper.
1: Well, since you're a dental student, I'm going to give you a little reason how and why. And there's a difference between going to a therapist versus a counselor versus a coach. Mm -hmm. So to me, the primary uh, secret sauce of a therapist is is the empathy. And I think the best kind is surgical empathy. Because what happens is when you feel felt, you get a surge of something called oxytocin. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone. It's the thing that, uh, that young mothers mm-hmm. feel so that they don't scream, uh, they, don't, they don't get angry at their screaming infant. They bond because of oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And what most people don't know is that oxytocin counteracts high cortisol. And cortisol is the st- stress hormone. Right. And so, uh, and the higher the cortisol the higher the stress, the more rigid your brain, and the more rigid your brain, the more reactive. If you're a dental student, you'll you'll probably know that it triggers something called an amygdala hijack. So high cortisol, which is high stress, causes your brain to be reactive, and you're not able to think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you and you usually make things worse. So get out of your own way. All those self-defeating behaviors make you feel better for the moment, but they screw up your life. Right. And uh, but you can't think. You know when you 're really upset, but when you 're talking with someone and you 're feeling felt by them and you get a surge of oxytocin, um, the oxytocin counterbalances the high cortisol
2: that 's right
1: i 'll share something uh, you know one of my recent uh, podcast guests was sunil Gupta and he 's sanjay gupta 's younger brother
2: okay
1: and if you're, and if you 're listening in. And Ruben, you got to get this book. It just came out. It's called Backable. Backable. Okay. It is, it's, it's a brilliant book. And it talks about why are some people backable? Why do people have, you know, Jeff Bezos didn't know anything about books or bookstores. Why, why did he come up with Amazon? You know, and uh, you know, and you know, the people who came up with Airbnb, they didn't know anything about hotels, Right. but they're backable. And, but this gave me a surge in, in the podcast with Sunil. I said, you know, Sunil, tell me, uh, you know, tell me kind of your wake-up call. What, who's your hero? And one of his heroes was his nine-year-old daughter. Well, he didn't know it was a hero. I gave him a warm, f- fuzzy feeling. I said, I said, well, tell me about your nine-year-old daughter. And this blew me away. He says, well, you know, we kind of play a game in the morning. We ask our kids uh, questions. And and so the other day, I asked my nine-year-old daughter, um, what is the meaning of life? Hmm. This is a nine-year-old, and she says, to discover your gift. Hmm. And then he says, well, that's good. What's the purpose of life? And she said, to give it away. I went, I went whoa. And then I looked at him, and we were doing a video, I said, are you aware that she's your hero? Wow. And then you could see his eyes got all watery and he got a surge of oxytocin. I mean, it was tough to get back on track.
0: Right. (laughs) I bet. Wow. So going into that, another question we asked is, what did I fail at today? And um, for me, I think that I was just too hard on myself today and too enthralled with other. People's opinions, and so, what do you think about just the recognition of um, of self shortcomings to become a better person? What do you think about that?
1: Um, well, it's interesting. One of my greatest motivators is shame, mm. and so guilt is wrongdoing. Shame is you feel there's something wrong with you, and I'll share this with you because you're uh, because you're black. OK. Um, uh, I I wrote a uh, you can if you look if you look this up, I wrote an article called Outing My Inner Racist. OK. I'm and what happened is I I've done a lot of things, you know, I've suicide preventionist, uh, trained FBI hostage negotiators, and I worked with the prosecution on the O.J. Simpson trial.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And so, when the not guilty verdict came in in the criminal trial, all the blacks said, This is great. Mm-hmm. All the whites said, This is unjust. This is terrible. This is whatever. And and I was with the prosecution and I said, God, this is an awful feeling. It's like justice is stacked against you. You can't get a break. And I went to my black friends, mm-hmm. my black male friends, and I said, Boy, I've got this sick feeling about, you know, it's unfair and it's unjust. And I said, uh, ever feel that way you know that the that the, the you know the world stacked against you and law and order stacked <laughs> against you yeah and to your listener is ruben smiling because he knows that and, and then what they said to me is that's all i felt right mm-hmm. that's, i've never felt any different and so here's how shame helped me i said we're friends why didn't you tell me it was so bad and they looked me flat out in the eye and they said because you didn't effing want to know and, and boy, they they had me dead to rights. And I went, wow. I, and I didn't like feeling conveniently oblivious to their life pain. So for three and a half years, I was the white co-host on an urban black radio show. Hmm. I think it's still going, the Zoe What Morning Show on Dash Radio. Oh, wow. And I love Zoe Williams and Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff Brown. Those are the co-hosts. And I was the hmm. white co-host. And so part of all... One of my missions in life is, uh, I will do anything I can to help marginalized, hardworking, talented. You can't play the victim card with me, uh, but I'll help you get your shot. I'll help you get your chance. So, uh, so that's that's blacks, women, Hispanic, uh, and and my and it's my shame that motivated me.
0: Wow, very. Powerful. And um, then we go to what did I succeed at today? I felt like I was happy that I didn't bottle up my emotions and I just kind of let it come out of me because I feel like when I keep it all in, that just makes it even worse. What do you think about, because especially in today's society, we're so um, judgmental, even of ourselves, like even when somebody tried to give you a compliment, they say, Um, oh, they try to downplay it. What do you think about acknowledging your successes and building yourself up?
1: Uh, I think it's a good thing. One of my other mentors before Larry King was a guy you probably never heard of, but a guy named Warren Bennis. If you look up Warren Bennis, he uh, he was one of the pioneers of leadership. He's probably one of the top three people ever in the field of leadership. Okay. And I miss, I miss him every day because leaders really need uh, to improve. And he, exactly. would give me, he would give me compliments, and I would get all bent out of shape. I'd say, oh, blah, 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 blah. You, and he once said to me, he said, Mark, and he could be really loving and direct. He said, Mark, when someone gives you a compliment, there's two words you say, two words only. You know what they are. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because if you say more than that, uh, you're being difficult and they're not going to want to give you a compliment again.
0: That's funny because whenever I have that interaction with people, I usually say, you know what? Just take my compliment and run. Don't even look back. Just run with it. Like, cause it, that does kind of stifle the person giving the compliment and yeah. makes that person think of, of like not giving another compliment. So I'm glad you said that.
1: Well, you know, I think what it is, I'll bet you can feel this because uh, um, I think a lot of times we're very judgmental of ourselves. And when someone gives us a true compliment, it's like surgical empathy to a part of us that's actually might be worthwhile. Mm. And, and we want to feel worthwhile, but because we can be hard on ourselves, when someone gives you a compliment way down deep, it's like, you mean I did something right for a change?
2: Right, right, <laughs> right.
1: And, 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 and what happens is you, you, you get all awkward and and i think what it is is because we we so want relief from feeling we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. So here's a little here's a little quiz that you're going to like and Okay. are going to like. And you just triggered it about 5 minutes ago. So something i ask people to do is imagine your personality is a circle and in the circle are the parts of your personality that are trying to prove, show, hide, or please. Hmm. Prove, show, hide, or please. And now I want you to eliminate all of those and what's left. And a lot of people will say there's nothing left because all I'm doing is proving, showing, hiding, or pleasing. To which I say, if that's true, then you are leased out to the world. You don't own you. And if you can imagine letting go of those, and and I did that, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, but I'm old, I'm an old guy. Mm. Uh, But if you can eliminate the parts of you that are trying to prove, show, hide, or please, you may actually discover that there's been a calling that's been calling out to you about what you're supposed to do in life, but you couldn't hear it because you were too busy proving, showing, hiding, or pleasing.
0: Wow. Wow. And that really is taking it to the next, um, where um, sometimes we just forget the most elemental of things. And we actually ask like, what made me smile today? And a smile can come from something that doesn't even have anything to do with your life. It doesn't even have to happen to you in particular. And I was just, um, I took my kids to Six Flags yesterday and um, for my son's birthday. And I just smiled because even though this um, theme park just kind of reopened, but the people were so nice and so informational, gave so much information and helping. And, like, I couldn't help but smile my whole way through um, the park, which made the experience that much more. And it wasn't like I did something in particular to make this success or smile. Like, so what do you think about just being in the world and actually taking what comes to you and just being free, like a, like a kid is just being happy. Like how, how do you think we get lost in that? And what do you think the importance of those things are like smiling?
1: Well, I don't know if you, you know, I did a TEDx talk called what made you smile today. Oh, we right on par. <laughs> oh no, you no, and, and I was starting a movement. If you go to ha- on Instagram, hashtag W M Y S T global. I started it. And In fact, if you go to my, uh, website markgoolston.com. one of the blogs is the wmyst challenge so there's my there's a video of my tedx talk mm-hmm. and then there is a startup in manhattan and they and they they called the nowhere men and they took the what made you smile today challenge and, then, and this is before covid and, and what it is is you go around with anybody who serves you anybody who uh, uh you know a cashier the tsa agent anyone. And what happens is, uh, if they have a name tag, often they feel like an appliance, they don't feel like a person, they're a function. Mm. And so what I would do every day, this is the movement is you go up to them, you see their name tag, and you say to them, uh, uh, hey, Joe, I'm Ruben. Thank you. I have a question for you. And they're going to get all nervous. And and, and they're going to say what? And then you say, what made you smile today? And they're going to pause and they're going to suddenly become a person instead of a function. And they're going to tell you and they're going to light up. And as part of our movement, here is a wristband that says hashtag W-M-Y-S-T. And so the whole idea is you have a bunch of these. And whenever you see someone, and this what I would do is I'd say, you know, you have a great smile. Mm. Here's two wristbands. Keep one to remind you to smile and give one to someone else. And it's amazing the power of that. And in my TEDx talk, uh, What Made You Smile Today, I talk about a dad who had a drug addict daughter that he couldn't stand getting phone calls from her but because she was so manipulative, and he just kept texting her, what made you smile, what made you smile? And every day, uh, initially she tried to manipulate him, and then after about six weeks, she said to him, okay, dad, what made me smile was your text. Hmm. And he started crying. And then two months later, she was off drugs. Uh, and then I haven't shared it and this is the power of it, you know, so, you know, so I'm pretty connected around the world and, and I'm as likely to forget to return an email to a fortune 100 CEO, but I'll return it to someone whose home was in India. I don't know how they have a computer, but this, right. I said, this is what I said in the uh, TEDx talk. This is the power of the question. So there was a fellow in India named Arul and, you know, I guess I helped him up with something. And then I texted him back. I, I mean, I emailed him back and said, Rule, what made you smile today? And he said, Nobody as important as you has ever typed my name. <sighs> he, say, he says, Every day I wake up and I go to the computer and I touch where you typed my name. Oh, wow.
0: That's beautiful to have that sort of like That's- impact on a person. <sighs>
1: I mean, that is amazing power. And I'll tell you where I also use it. You should try this. Mm-hmm. If, you have a, if, you, if you're dealing with a technical person, you know, and you know they're from India or uh, the Philippines, right. uh, you know, and I'll tell you, I get really good service when I talk and they're patient with me because I'm really stupid when it comes to technology and, <laughs> and I get panicky. And then, and what I do at the end, and I did this about a month ago, I, I, it was something on my iPhone or something, and, and then and I said, what's your name? I don't know if that was the real name. And they said, do you have any other questions? I said, well, I'm glad you asked. And I said, what made you smile today? And she says to me, it's my birthday. Wow. And I said, really? What are you going to do? Well, I get off in a couple hours. So how are you going to celebrate? Well, my family and some friends are coming. And I said, no, you're kidding. No, no. I said, well... I'd say, look, you just made me smile. Give me your supervisor's email, whatever, because I want to just tell them how, how great the service was mm-hmm. and that you made me smile. But wow. I'll tell you, try that with the next person who's helping you technologically. Mm-hmm. What will happen is it will make your day because after I left that call, I said, you know, Mark, you just made someone's life who probably gets a lot of complaints, a lot of people beating up on her. You just made her smile today. That was cool.
0: All right, we're going to have the last wrap it up question and how we do it is what I think of my day overall and then I give myself a grade. So I'm going to say uplifting. Honestly, I started from a low place, but where I'm ending at is way further than what I could even expect that I would have been at. And I'm going to give that grade an A. What do you think about just keeping track and log and of yourself and who you, who you are? What do you think about that and, and what it kind of closes out?
1: Well, I think I said something and then I got on a tangent because I only think in tangents. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, every day I'll think about the people who think the world of me and love me at times when I don't. Mm. And especially, and I have something I call the Dead Mentor Society. I have eight. They've all died. Larry King was the last. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, every now and then when I'm down on myself... Like, you know, you you can tell me, I think this interview went okay. Uh, But
0: uh, better than okay.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing it was better than okay, Mm because I can see your face. But, you know, in the past, I would call up a dead mentor and I'd say, "Ah, I was on this podcast and I didn't finish a story. I mean, I got up on tangents. They had questions. We never got around to them. And, and, you know, my dead mentor will say, you woke me for this, Mark? Yeah, 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 it's okay. And, and they say, well, what'd the host think? They said they want me back. <laughs> and, and, and and so now what I have, what I beat up on myself, is I mm-hmm. call up one of my dead mentors. Wow. And, 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 they, and they wake up and they say, well, well, you know, I was resting in peace. R.I.P., Mark. What is it? Oh, I did it again. You know, I got on this interview. I mean... I am so unpolished. I am so, and they say, Mark, Mark, what'd the host say? They thought it was great. And so now, because I want to let let them go back to resting in peace, they all say the same thing. So when I call on them to talk me down from DEFCON 1 to DEFCON 5, Mm -hmm. you know, I I say a little bit and they say, Mark, 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 you know, know, I I was sleeping pretty good. You know what I'm going to say to you? And I say, I know. And they say, that's right, Mark. Put a sock in it already. You did okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's what I would say to you, Ruben. You can borrow me as a mentor. You know, Ruben, Ruben, you, you, you down on yourself? This is Doctor Mark from your from your podcast. Put a sock in it, Ruben. You're okay. You're a good person. Come on, you. you know, everybody's flawed. Let it go. Go, go. Enjoy your son. Wow,
0: wow, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Thank you, man. I. I didn't know. I I feel like I was sitting on like one of your long chairs right now. And I got so much. I got so many notes from this. And I really appreciate you for taking out the time, taking and giving me your energy and speaking to the My Daily Report card listeners. We really appreciate it. So anything you could close us out with any words of inspiration, anything you want to promo, anything, just please just take it here.
1: Okay, so I have a website, markgoulston.com. I, I suffer from bloggeria, so I just write a lot. Um, I have a podcast called My Wake-Up Call, and uh, I got, you know, people reaching out to me, and uh, I, I, uh, uh, some you know, Larry King, a guy named Norman Lear, a guy who ran for president, Tom Steyer. Uh, Esther Wojcicki, her daughters—one's the CEO of YouTube, the other one's Twenty Three and Me—really amazing people. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose of my podcast is I fix up my guests with each other. I say, listen to each other's podcast, you know. And if you like each other, you know. Uh, so I'll select guests and I'll say, you really need to listen to this person. You're going to like them. Wow. And then, and then I have them listen to each other's podcast. I say, you know, go, you know, go make the world better. So that's kind of what I do with my wake up call. I also have a LinkedIn live show called no strings attached
2: okay.
1: where uh, uh, we'll probably get a regular time in it. We get my guests and I, we just give away, we give away nuggets and, and my first real guest is going to be next, next week, a guy named Marshall Goldsmith, big executive coach in, on LinkedIn. Okay. But what I tell my guests, I say, you know, we got 15 minutes And here's what I want to hear from you. Whatever you say, people have to think to themselves, I never would have thought of that, and I think that would work, and I can do it today. And so what what I'm going to tell my guest, I say, that's the information. Give away your best information. No strings attached. No upselling. you know, don't push anything. Don't even push your website. Let's support LinkedIn. And if they want to find out anything about you, well, let's just send them back to LinkedIn, you know, because it's on LinkedIn. Let's support that. So no strings attached. And we just give away stuff like that.
0: Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much again for being a part of this. We really appreciate you. You're an inspiration. Please go support this man. Once again,